Hello and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 263, Losing Momentum, Getting into Performance Psychology, and Maintaining Passion. Let's jump into the first question. Hey Weldon, my name is Colin and I'm an up-and-coming Super Smash Bros. Ultimate player looking to solidify myself as a top player in the game. Um, for the last few years, I feel like my, big, my biggest obstacle that I've run into is a tilting problem. When I'm doing well in tournament and momentum is going my way, I feel unstoppable. But if I'm running into a lot of issues or I feel like my play is not where it needs to be, it's very easy for me to get frustrated and fall down the rabbit hole of just playing worse and worse once I get into my own head. I also live with one of the top players in the game and practicing versus him is great, but I find it to be like very frustrating and very difficult to keep a cool head when I'm losing multiple games in a row. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice on how to deal with tilting. Big fan of the show, and uh, thank you for making these. Appreciate it a lot. All right. Hi, Colin. Thanks for the question. Um, there's a couple different tacks to go with it. Tacts, T-A-C-T-S, to go with uh, answering this question. And I think that... Um, so the first tact I'm going to take is that uh, when you're in uh, like a high-pressure moment or you're in a spiral of losing and you are um, losing the momentum and like your focus on your own mechanical precision is what is causing you to get worse and worse, that um, one of my favorite pieces of research on this was an intervention done with Greek Greek or Spanish? Now, I actually don't remember. It might have even been Italian. Uh, shooters. Um, and they were one of the first groups to go through this protocol of um, training a certain... Uh, so so essentially what's happening is your brain is focusing on the, me- the mechanisms of trying to execute what is normally an automatic process. And because you're like focusing on trying to execute it uh, volitionally with your muscle- muscles... Uh, you, you are not doing it automatically. You're not doing it fluidly enough, or that's the theory. And so the, the scientists proposed that you should essentially create a small number of bookmark, uh, movements that you focus on. For example, in baseball, they say, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And then you swing and you hit when people are like, uh, you know, choking, uh, in terms of hitting, hitting the ball, because it's just, it's just a moniker or a trigger for a certain bookmark uh, step in of, of the hundreds of steps of like swinging and hitting a baseball. It's like, you know, the biggest one. Um, and it's not even that relevant because you don't even see the ball when you hit the ball. The last time that you see the ball is shortly after it leaves the catcher's or the pitcher's hand. And after that, uh, your, your eyes literally can't process the, the ball in the time that it would take for you to need to swing and hit it in reaction anyway. So keeping your eye on a ball is just like, it's not even real, right? But it, it is a trigger for a cascade of motor movements that the brain then treats uh, everything like under that bookmark as automatic. So that's the theory is that with these shooters, they would be like, okay, uh, you know, cheek, cheek to the uh, rest, inhale, hold three, exhale, pressure increase. uh, And then they'd have some sort of trigger of like what, when they're in their best kind of state. So if you were to translate that to smash, essentially the concept would be that you need to create a smaller number of things to focus on in the proper execution of a skill that leaves the rest to automaticity. And whenever you're in a high-pressure situation, you need to practice that. And in a low-pressure situation, 
you don't want to do things automatically without thinking about it. You always want to try to intentionally do them with the execution of like a small motor tick, like, okay, watch, watch his character's right hand, you know, or, um, uh, some, some sort of like primer, because if you do it when you're in good condition, when you have momentum and you're used to reacting with those like cues, those muscle cues of things you look for, things that trigger you or things that you, uh, are used to controlling physically, then when you get into the tilted mode, you fall back on the same bookmark, uh, events that you control. And that helps kick you back into that automatic process of execution, skill execution. So that's the first kind of tact I would take with that. And by the way, this study did not go very well. Um, it kind of helped some shooters and didn't help other shooters. Um, and it turns out that like as an intervention concept, teaching this to people is not uh, very effective compared to things like, for example, meditation uh, or just straight up psychological skills training or even placebo. But the theory holds pretty well. So the the actual phenomena of what's happening is that uh, this essential like loss of automatic execution because of the pressure that you're putting on focusing on the execution of the motor skill. Um, so this may or may not work for you in terms of like if you're already doing it and you're good at it, you'll be able to take this tack and you'll be able to use it. If you suck at this, and you don't do it already, I'm not confident that like you should waste a lot of time trying to learn it. Just try it out and see if it, see if it helps. Um, okay. The second tact is that uh, essentially when you are momentum is like a false, like a false positive. It's like, it's like a thing that like exists, but doesn't exist at the same time. There's a lot of study on momentum in sports and the psychological construct of momentum. And in some sports, there's a real momentum like a, uh, like in eSport where you actually get bigger and faster than the other person or in Smash where you actually get weaker than the other person and, you know, you're able Auto to shutdown get initiated. knocked off of the... Auto shutdown canceled. So momentum like actually exists. But then in some sports like tennis, it's all conceptual. Every single point is the same exact point. You know, 50-50, there's a server, there's a receiver and momentum is purely the scorecard. So it's all psychological. Um if you want to understand the psychology of momentum, one of the more fun pop science books is the the Hidden Game of Tennis or the Secret Game of Tennis or something like that. That talks about essentially like the mind, the mental side of, of tennis and how it is that people cope with the immense pressure around um, around what is essentially like a, a construct in our in our minds. Um, and that that will probably give you a lot of different coping tactics that you can try. Um, but the basic premise of where you want to head professionally is that momentum is something that you want to deconstruct and, and not allow to affect you in a positive or negative way. So momentum actually helping you, uh, is probably bad because it means that like you're playing bad normally. And then the psychological construct of momentum is helping you play better. You want to achieve that all the time, that kind of flow state. So I would say, I want you to start quantifying high performance state as like peak performance and if you have momentum and you're in that state it's not because you have momentum or maybe it is because you have momentum but anyway you're in a peak performance state and your desire is to achieve that state not achieve momentum does that make sense um so peak performance state can be automatic and that you have a flow state and it's very low effort or it can be a very high effort state where you have to like focus really hard on like 
avoiding distractions and not jumping in the way of your automatic execution and focusing really hard on like the right thing um, that is not going to distract you so that you execute well and fluidly in your mechanics uh, and setting aside uh, distractions. I think a lot of times what you might notice is, let's say you're like in a bad match and it keeps getting worse. If you just pay attention to your thought process, you'll become aware that a lot of your thoughts are about perception. Like, oh, what does this person think of me? What are they, how are they judging me? How are they seeing me? Um, what, what do I perceive to be? What does this mean about me? Am I this kind of person? Whereas if you're just playing as a computer, um, like in a pure PVE, like player versus environment setting, a lot of that stuff disappears. A lot of that like train of thought. And what you'll notice is that when you're thinking of those thoughts, your skill execution actually messes up. This is really apparent. Recently in my life, I started playing piano again after a, a hiatus of what, like 20 years or something? Uh, I played for how many years? I was five or six when I started playing played till I was 20 so 15 years and then I and then I didn't play and it's 30 35 so about 15 year hiatus um and I'll be playing and I'll be totally focused on skill execution and then all of a sudden I'll start messing up arpeggios which I was literally just hitting and I'll notice that I'm thinking about the person in the other room who's hearing me and whether or not they think it's like pretty music or like clunky music still and I'll, oh yeah, okay, refocus my brain back on this. And all of a sudden I'm hitting arpeggios again because I'm focused on the execution and not the distracting thought. So I want you to think of your brain as like a pie, a pie chart of focus, right? And when you're just like in a very good environment mentally, you're 100% of it is, is focused on the execution of the skill and the, the visual stimuli that's coming in and your response to it and the fluidity. And when you have like 10% of it thinking about, oh, what does this look like? And what is my reaction? And, and like all of that kind of like side thought, your, your, your execution is going to be dropping. Okay, so that's the second tact. The third tact is um, if you are at the edge of your ability, a lot of times people think I have a good day and I do well and I have a bad day and I play badly. Um, but... They conflate those issues with actual competence. So sometimes people are like actually not uh, consistent enough at a, in a certain region and they perceive normal mistakes in the learning process as, as tilt. It's like, I could do this, but I failed. Rather than, I actually can't do this regularly every single time that I want to. And I have a X error rate or an X percentage rate and these are the errors that I need to expect until I can iron them out. Um, so in that case, I want you to like use self-talk or logic in the moment to explain that to yourself. Be like, okay, Auto shutdown initiated. This is my work. This is my practice. This is my repetition. This is my error rate. I want to lower the error rate. I'm going to try it again and not fail. Try it again and not fail. And you want to try to get really clean executions that, and try to like really, really, really drop your error rate. And um, in piano, for example, and in Smash, what that means sometimes is that you lower the cadence. You're like, okay, I'm going to lower the speed of the combo just so that I can get the sequence right. But as you know, it's really bad to learn combos at a low speed because then it's not the same as when you speed it up. and You need to do it like on the fly. So a lot of times it's better to mix the practice where like make sure you're, you're executing the combo correctly 
and then uh, take it into an environment with no enemy and, and make sure you get the frame rate right, uh, the frame's perfect, and then take it into the real world. Sometimes it's better to just do it 50 times in the real world and fail 45 times in as you're attempting to get to that, those last five that are going to be successes, and then go to sleep on it. And just sleep and expect it to be better tomorrow. Even if you never get to those that last five, 45 to 50 that work, you just hit the end and you failed it every single time. Uh, you actually continue the motor learning when you sleep. So if you were hyper-focused on improvement and trying to do it better, uh, and you're doing it in a native environment, so you're actually in the game practicing it against a, a real person or like a very, very high-level uh, um, computer, then you can expect to get better while you sleep and come in the next day uh, more able to execute it. So those are the three tasks of with which I answer that question. I'm not really sure which one is relevant for you, but I hope that that was helpful information and uh, appreciate the question. Okay, announcements. Guys, no real big new announcements. Day two of re- restarting the podcast after a long, long hiatus, and I still have a backlog of questions, so feel free to send in yours, but I won't get to them soon. And sorry to everybody whose question I'm answering now after a year and a half late. Um, hopefully you're still around and listen to the podcast. And uh, spread the word. Please tell your friends that we're back and share the podcast so that uh, we can get the listener base up again. Okay, let's jump into question number two from the Goblin TV, a repeat questioner from the last episode. Auto hey, well, canceled. some time ago I asked you on how to execute outplays. And if I recall correctly, the general gist of it was that I have to plan ahead, visualize the play, and then focus on executing upon it. And so far, this has been working great for me, so thank you for that. However, at the moment, I find myself at failing to adapt. For example, if I plan to go for a play and I consider the enemy options, I sometimes forget to include every one of his options. For instance, when I'm playing versus an Ezreal and I know he still has his blink up, so his E, I plan accordingly, but suddenly he also flashes, which I did not account for at the beginning, and then I find myself sort of frozen again and unable to adjust accordingly. So my question is, how do I adjust my play mid-execution? All right, thank you for the question. So, uh, yeah, if you if you guys want to hear the answer to the previous question you asked uh go back a few episodes let me see which one it is if it's here um please 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 it was uh how do i out play training for outplays one-on-one how do i train for critical outplays episode 140 of the ask walden show i'm not sure if that was your question or not. Um, but if it wasn't, then it's probably still relevant. Okay. So uh, how do you adjust your play mid-execution? So first of all, the thing that you described is, uh, okay, you don't account for the flash. So you should make a note of it in the post game. Like it should be part of your notes. Like, oh, remember to account for flash. And then you should try to expand the number of variables that you can track in any given play to include flash. And that's just a stretching of the brain and a stretching of what it is that you're capable of integrating into your visualization of the play. And there is a great 
line of research on expertise that comes out of um, like uh, Harvard psychology department. Uh, Eric Anders Ericsson. Anders Ericsson is the progenitor of it, and he really believes that expertise is the is the inclusion of more and more things into people's mental models um, as variables. Essentially, saying that like you have like eight eight uh, six to eight slots that you can use in your like active working memory, um, and that you you shuffle things out of your working memory when you're not focusing on them. And if you want to include more things in your working memory that you're processing, you need to bundle them. And so your bundle of the play includes Ezreal's E and the jungler and his ability to, to move and uh, the number of minions and who can block, which ones can block his Q and the angles that the jungler might come from and where your jungler is. But it doesn't include the flash yet. And eventually it will. And then that'll be bundled in there and it will take up the same one spot of working memory that the other things all bundled together take up right now. So the you just keep pushing forward until that's included, which takes a little bit of stretch and pain and not accounting for it and then getting punished and then re- making a note of it and then trying to include it next time is a rehearsal. It's like one repetition, right? So you want to do that. Uh, so then there's the second part of your question is how do you, how do you despite all of that, how do you plan for adjusting mid-execution when they flash and you wanting to be able to respond to it. Uh, the only thing you can do is increase your sport mindfulness, which is your ability to uh, instantly react to stimuli because you are aware of what's happening and you have volition over your reaction to it. So high levels of sport mindfulness collide with um, or correlate with uh, essentially like flow state or free flow of the ability to respond to stimuli. Low levels of sport mindfulness correlate with the opposite of that, which is like horse blinders on where you don't see things that are happening right in front of you and completely don't react to them uh, or don't react to them well. So that's not causation, by the way. So we don't know if you training sport mindfulness will actually help with that or if people who have that attribute test highly in terms of their sport mindfulness. But... There's only one thing you can do, which is to train to improve your sport mindfulness. So that is what I recommend. Um, And that is quite simply getting decently good at mindfulness in general, like seated training, sitting and training and meditating, and then looking for moments of centering yourself in the game and abstracting, seeing yourself as a context and the thoughts running through your head as as separate from your identity and able to like process them kind of like as a third party. Uh, and that just comes with uh, practice and time and drills uh, and sometimes like some one-on-one work with a really good coach. So good luck with that. <laughs> and uh, please issue further questions after you t- trial it out a little bit and kind of have some specific questions geared toward uh, the, uh, the development of sport mindfulness. Uh, there's also surveys if you search like survey or questionnaire for my sport mindfulness. You'll find two or three validated instruments that you could use. Um, for, for kind of like measuring your sport mindfulness, if you want to try that. All right, this comes to the part of the program where I advertise the Mac program. Uh, mindgames.gg slash MAC. Check it out. Use the code AskWeldon to get a $5 discount. It's a video training program with 49 videos and lectures uh, on mindfulness, including a mindfulness training. Auto shutdown initiated. Develop, developing sport mindfulness. There you go. This program actually would do it, help you do it. Um, 
and it is on its way to becoming an app, and the MVP might actually be out this month. And everybody who purchases it now will be grandfathered in, obviously, to the app. Uh, and then the videos will just be released as like a public repository, essentially, if you want to do the course in the old style for free. But um, check it out and use the coupon and support the development of the app with your purchase. That is where 100% of the funds go. I have not really taken anything out of the sales of this program since 20... Uh, when did I move to LA? 2018? Uh, to actually, all of that year was also dedicated to the production of the app. So 2017. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically it's just all essentially driven directly towards trying to get this thing going. If you have any questions about the program, hit me up privately somewhere, like Discord channel for the program. People there will be happy to help you. All right, let's jump into question number three from Aaron. Auto shutdown canceled. Hi, Weldon. This is Aaron. Um, I'm a psychology student, and I was wondering, do you know if there is a way into performance psychology without having to study sports? Or, alternatively, are there other fields in psychology you would recommend me to check out um, if I'm a psychology student and love gaming? All right. Thank you, Aaron, for the question. So, yes, you don't have to study sport to be a performance psychologist or performance psychology trainer. Uh, you just need to be interested in some aspect of performance. Um, or even well-being. I think that the field of, of mental health and psychological well-being for a workplace, for occupational settings, is essentially uh, the precepts of performance psychology applied to the everyman job. Uh, the, the, the main, I like to divide psychology into two main camps, right? The clinical and the non-clinical. And on the clinical side, uh, the therapists are interested in trying to treat clinical disorders and on the non-clinical side uh, therapists are interested in trying to improve people from average to great or from great to awesome um, and so you're just on that side right you're just interested in the non-clinical aspect of taking somebody who's great and making them awesome or good and making them great that's that to me is really what sums up performance psychology so what I would recommend is uh, if you have any sort of field of performance like public speaking or drawing or singing or literally whatever it is that is your performance, um, you can tackle that. Uh, if you're studying sex therapy and you're trying to figure out how to help people have uh, clinical sexual issues, then you can take that to the other end and be like, those of you who don't have clinical sexual issues... Let's get even better at sex. Like whatever you do can be taken into the non-clinical sphere, um, and then you should learn about it as a performance, uh, the performance aspect, how it affects performers in that realm. Okay, so sales pitch for performance psychology aside, uh, it depends. If you're in your undergraduate, then you should be able to find classes in your psychological department, psychology department that are kind of related to performance psychology. Hopefully, you can. If you can't and everything is clinical, then that's just the way it is, right? Then you just have to do self-study. Uh, if you're in your, if you're actually doing research, so if you're in your master's or PhD, it's really quite simply just choosing research that aligns with that purpose. So, for example, my research was on um, the physical activity level of uh, 
mothers who are undergoing transition and whether or not social a social intervention helped them maintenance their physical activity level as they underwent the transition to motherhood, first-time motherhood, uh, over the course of a year. And so that is like a non-clinical population, and we're looking at a social intervention, um, and we're looking at factors of perception of competence at you know exercising uh, or being physically active, and then measuring also their actual physical activity, and then measuring it over time. And that essentially is exercise psychology, uh, which is which is kind of like health psychology. It's like a, a side of uh, sports psychology. Um, but there's there's a lot of different research that you can do that is tailored into the sports psychology field. Um, all the way running from just physical activity all the way up to high performance. And personally, just as as like a uh, citizen of the world, I think perf- performance psychology for elite athletes is not really that helpful for the the human population. I think it's like people who already have their stuff together and are already elite performers and are at the 99 percentile getting 0.1% better. Uh, not very interesting, right? Uh, even though I do it more or less as a full-time job for the last four years. Uh, more what I'm interested in is the health psychology aspect of uh, what that means for what can be applied for and what that means for um, people who are like addicted to video games, for example, in my case. Or if we're talking about athletes, then people who are trying to improve their physical activity levels and their health outcomes. So there's a massive need for health health psychology and exercise psychology that is much more beneficial to the human populace than performance psychology at the elite level. Although I think performance psychology is starting to include a little bit of that aspect of health and exercise psychology um, ever since it kind of like grew to encompass all of performance versus just sport. Um, Auto shutdown initiated. The workplace and then you get into well-being and then it's like about burnout instead of instead of about uh, optimal performance and flow state. And then all of a sudden you're into health psychology. There you go. So, um, yeah, I would just recommend if you want to go in that direction and you're in a clinical degree already, look around for health psychology and exercise psychology. Look for well-being stuff related to the workplace and you will find there uh, a vector with which to work on something that you enjoy, I hope. All right. Let's go to the last question from Ryan. Auto shutdown canceled. Do you have any tips for maintaining passion for a competitive game without the downsides of frustration when things are going south? Frustration can be a barrier for self-improvement, and I would like to know if you had any tips for managing it in situations where my teammates make mistakes, I make mistakes, or just overall feelings of I'm not improving fast enough. Yes. Uh, Step one is don't rely on passion. So whatever you need the passion for, if you need the passion for it, I would say recognize that as part of the problem. Uh, There's going to be times when you have passion and when you don't have passion, and you're going to have to execute regardless, and you're going to have to keep up your good habits independent of whether or not you're out of passion for a month. Then, uh, once you accept that there is a cycle of motivation and demotivation and motivation and demotivation, 
you can expect it to naturally go in, in swings, downswing, upswing, downswing, upswing, okay? So you want to plan for being able to maintain your play and your habits when you're on a downswing and you have no passion, okay? Step one. Step two, you want to work on mitigating the cycle. So you want to amplify it when you have high passion and you want to either shorten the periods of low passion or reduce the drop of passion all the way. And the way that you do that normally is things like taking a break, journaling about what your dreams are, connecting with somebody who sees you and the identity that you wish to be and talking with them and getting advice and they mentor you and say like, this is the path that you are taking and this is where you could be and this is what I see in you when you do this and you reignite your passion a little bit. Um, Yeah, going and watching motivational videos on YouTube of people that inspire you with their work ethic towards the thing that you're exactly doing and then all of a sudden you're doing it and you become passionate again. Uh, Sleeping more. Um, Going to a tournament and losing horribly and being like, I want to get better at this. Going to a tournament and winning and being like, oh, wow, I am getting good at this. Um, Giving yourself those tests, you know, out in the wild. Yeah, yeah. The, those are my main suggestions. So good luck, Ryan, and thanks for the question. All right, everybody. That is the show for today. And uh, make sure to send in your questions to um, anchor.fm slash Weldon Green. You'll see a button there to message. You can also go to anchor.fm slash Weldon Green, same place for the message, and you can find all of the subscription methods for this podcast. Uh, audio podcast there's itunes and the google podcasts and everything else under the sun there uh, spotify um and uh you can also i think even support the podcast on anchor monetarily i don't know it's like a twitch subscription but like a podcast subscription i don't really have any people who have subscribed on the podcast audio app but um so i don't really recommend it unless you want to experiment with that i would say rather buy the program that helps me more directly because it goes, it's more money and it's a one-time thing and it goes directly into production of the application. Uh, but yeah, uh, hope you all have a good day. See you next time.